me to do the opening? Yep. Alrighty, let me crack this real quick. I'm drinking Waterloo Pineapple. Um. Because I just drink my cider, so I don't need to have too many booze. Too many boozes. Too many mm. boozies. Alrighty. Do I look good? Do I look good in camera? Looks so good. Because my nipples are always, always erect. Like, are my nipples in the shot? I can't. I 100% am putting this on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you don't, do you want to know the story why they're always erect? Yes. Um, when we were in college, um, there's a guy in cab, um, Daniel. He had fallen and uh, he used to be in color green, Daniel Kim. And um, we had did some stuff with him before. And um, he, he fell and broke his kneecap. And so then they had oh, to yeah. give him these, like, these little stimulators so he had put on his leg to like keep from getting like atrophy yeah and i was like hey i was like so those shock you and he's like yeah basically and i was like what do they do if you put them on your nipples no <laughs> and so in the cab office i placed them on both nipples and and he uh like turned it and like it made like com- made me convulse so like i couldn't get them off i was like <laughs> like i couldn't like my hands would not like get to them and so, yeah, there's usually always, I always use that hard nipples. Yeah. Oh. Talk about so, the yeah, pain think, we hide. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's one that's, yeah, I get made fun of a lot. So, oh, well. Hmm. Yeah. You think you know somebody. You think you know somebody, and then they tell you how they shock their nipples. <laughs> All right, everybody, welcome to Sad Clowns and Broken Records. My name is Sean Chadwell. And I'm David Leo. And this is a show where we just want to um, live life with you and um, hear our life stories of all the lies and the bullshit that we put into our own heads that um, make us who we are and hopefully come out on the other side um, together and have fun while we're doing it. And that's why we created this podcast because David and myself have been friends for 20 plus years and we usually have phone conversations um, with each other um, regularly. And decided to that we both needed this and wanted this yeah. to have a weekly uh, sitting um, time where we can just get together and just talk and um, talk about life and what's happened that week and what's going on. And then also take some calls and hear from friends and uh, other people around the world that are um, also sad clowns and are listening to those same broken records in their own lives. So welcome to the show. Well, you know what's crazy, Sean, is... Uh, <clears throat> um, you know, we just got started. I mean, by the time that this airs, we'll have uh, two episodes up. This will be our third, third episode. But um, just after putting up the first one, just within the first week, it's been interesting. I'd be interested to see what you've heard on your end. But on my end, I've already had two separate friends reach out and ask to be on the podcast with us. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, my friend Andy and my f- friend philip and you know just just by you know watching some clips and and you know on because i've posted some clips on tiktok and and uh facebook instagram uh all of those things and they reached out on their own accord like we've always said like we don't want to have guests on unless it happens organically but um i just thought that was really interesting and then you know, as we've kind of put out there, hey, here's the number to call in, 424-291-2508. Little plug there. Um, I've had some, like, mostly acquaintances and some friends kind of reach out, like, kind of seriously about, like, hey, I, I, I'm really, I want to leave a question, but I'm feeling a little insecure. You know, there's no pressure. But I just think it's interesting. It's, it's dude, one episode, and it's already kind of been an encouragement to some people and helping some people and and um i just thought that was kind of neat in matter of fact i um we wanted to just kind of have an episode where we just immediately dive into some phone calls because they're kind of stockpiling up and so um you know let's just jump right in unless Mm -hmm. you have anything no i'm excited and yeah, I'm just excited to do this. I'm excited for people to be a part of it. And yeah, let's uh, let's go to the calls. Voicemail. Hey, uh, my name is Jacqueline. And I saw David's post, so I decided I would call in with my question. 
I'm trying to decide how to put it in question format, but um, here goes. Uh, recently, I decided my dad has absolutely lost his fucking mind, and has, he's he's an evangelical missionary, um, successful guy in his business, so there's no other signs of madness except that um, he seems to think the world is going to end situation like I don't know what what how to ask it, what question to ask but um recently he sent my husband and I and my I have to finish the three of us uh about a year's worth of MREs if you know what that is um if you're ever been a part of the prepping community which we're not um they're freeze-dried uh food about a year's worth for three people okay um, the stack, a stack of tubs, taller, six feet tall, and in just huge 15-gallon tubs, and about six of them. And he said, and I, he sent me a text, and he said the, the U.S. dollar is about to crash, and I just sent this food to you because um, I'm worried about some kind of mad grocery, you know, um, you know, the food will be out, the groceries will be out of food soon. And, uh, sort of kind of food. And I'm like, I guess I'm thinking, this is really freaky. And I, I was scared. Like, I didn't know what to think. I've heard things on the news, but in, initially, like, I believed him because he's my dad, right? Like, I, he's always been someone I can depend on. But recently, I've recognized that he and I don't, we don't align our beliefs at all mm. religiously. And he's always been kind of um, sort of fear-mongering about, about the end of the world since I was a kid. Well, now here, he's like, here it is. Well, um, he said he really wants me to come live back home, uh, move back home with him if, if that shit hits the fan. Um, and something about that they have chickens for eggs and they are going to get some goats for milk and that uh, I better uh, just come home. Um, if uh, we don't have enough food, and he said we'll starve together, like it's a joke. And this is all via text, by the way. I'm like, this is really nuts. At first, I was worried. I'm like, I'll do in my research. I'm like, what's going on? Like, is that is there something in the news I haven't? No, nothing new. Just you know, some concerns. That's a lot to um to unpack there. First and foremost, uh, first off, like, um, you know, it's it's hard when you have that realization that you no longer align yourself with your family, um, with a lot of things, especially when it comes to the spiritual world and just thought, um, you know, the word deconstruction has been tossed around like candy, um, these last few couple of years, I believe it is. Um, but it's something I think my wife and I have been doing for a lot longer than the last few years. And uh, we're honest with ourselves and, you know, we're definitely at a different place now than when we were beginning seminary. We were a different place now when we were in seminary and we're definitely at a different place now after seminary. Um, because I think just, you know, just that realization as life goes and things come upon us, like our thoughts change. So I, you know, I, I hear that and I have that empathy for you in that, um, just that starting to have that separation, um, with your, with your dad. Um, I know it can be really hard to do that. Um, and I remember, um, when I took a class, um, in seminary, um, it was a revelations class and they spoke about a lot of end world stuff. And I remember I had professors, they had, um, friends that had like filing cabinets of who the next antichrist was going to be and the oh next date God. when it was going to, um, not, not, people at the university, but other peers in their world, um, that just had filing cabinets filled with, you know, it was this president or this world leader or this global phenom. And, um, you know, and as the years would change, they would just keep adding to this filing cabinet. And I remember one professor, he said, you know, you don't want to read the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the left hand because they're not the same thing. And, um, because I don't think, like, I would agree with that. Like, they're not, 
things. One is current and the other is historical and, and historical to a certain context even, and maybe not even to our own context, but to a context of a time, um, a long time ago. And, um, and I think for a lot of times when people think the end is coming soon, then they might not be, um, they're not looking for the here and now because it's always like, well, it's going to happen around the corner. Um, and so I would encourage you, you know, take the MREs, um, and give them away. Like I'm sure there's shelters in your neighborhood or shelters in your community that would love to have food. Or if you're just keep them in like the back of the car and as you drive by and you see somebody on the side of the street, I would, I would hand them to those people because I think that would be more, um, uplifting the, like a, a, a spiritual life that you would want to have in your community than getting freaked out and scared. Um, but that's just me. That's really good, Sean. Yeah. I, I, so many things come to my mind because, uh, um, you know, there's people in my wife's family that are very much just fear-based, just always talking about, you know, that they come from a really religious background and there's, my wife kind of fills me in with like, oh no, so-and-so's reading this and sent me this article. My wife doesn't fall for that trap, but, but we kind of <laughs> like uh, laugh about it. And, you know, it, it's just, it, I always found that it, when I was in Christianity, I always found that such an odd thing that Christians get so afraid because it seems like what I studied in Christianity is that Jesus talks so much about not being afraid mm -hmm. and what an ironic thing that a whole religion based off of this one dude right and uh, obviously it was born from uh, born from Judaism um, and never intended to be a religion as far as I can tell but but let's go with it you know 2,000 years has has proved that it is a religion <laughs> at right. this point and so you have this whole religion based off of what this dude said and did and and such a constant theme in what was written about him had a lot to do with not being afraid and my grandma was the same way my grandma raised me um my parents were pretty absent and uh pretty dysfunctional and so um my grandma kind of my that was my favorite thing that my grandma said is is she'd take me to church or she'd take me wherever and she'd be like david's pretty much my boy <laughs> his mom had him when she was way too young and well, whatever uh, you, Sean you met grandma oh yeah she's and, awesome uh, yeah she was awesome she was awesome and, and um, so uh, but as this is this is actually one of the things that I love talking about with people that have like fucked up family members that believe fucked up views is I hold a place because of my grandma because she did such a good job at loving me. Um, and I have such a love for her. I, I really am so thankful because she also had some really fucked up crazy views. Like mm -hmm. really fucked up. I remember one Christmas, um, I gave my cousin uh, a book about Mother Teresa. And my grandma, she opened, my cousin opens the present and she goes, oh, thanks Dave. And uh, my grandma goes, oh, yeah, that's great. Uh, I bet she said some nice stuff. Too bad she's going to be in hell because she's Catholic. We all lose it, right? Grandma, how the fuck can you say that? so fucking crazy. You bunch of um, shit asses. You better listen to me. Yeah. I'm talking, well, she didn't have a personal, rela a personal Baptist relationship with Jesus. So she's burning somewhere. So... And so, and my grandma is also somebody who, oh my God, every day she was like, Jesus is going to come back any day. <laughs> oh boy, you ready? And it was crazy. But here I remember was in a, oh, sorry. I remember in seminary, um, I had some friends who we wanted to make a t-shirt that says, Jesus is coming. Look busy. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But see... This is one of the things I really appreciate about being raised by somebody who, and, and listen, 
my grandma had more fucked up things with her than just stupid views. You know, she had some real darkness in her and real ignorant things in her. Real, you know, she was born in the, you know, 100 years ago at this point. You know, so had some real, a lot to not like. But, God, I loved her. And what I love about loving somebody that's so wrong about so many things is it really taught me to go, you can hold both together. Mm-hmm. You can hold this person who you love um, and at the same time go, they were wrong. They were wrong about, about their view, about uh, religion, about God, about uh, politics, about Bubba, the, you know, uh, race, um, xenophobia, uh, uh, you know, all of these things and stand toe to toe with them and go, this is wrong. Matter of fact, I can even say this is evil, but I can also yes and that and go, this is true and I love you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to be afraid anymore of like quoting a Chevy Chase who gave me great advice. He said, David, in order to give a shit, you have to stop giving a shit. This is great. Now, I've also heard um, a lot of not great things about Chevy and some things that really bother me. Both can be true, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? And so, um, same thing with Marlon Brando. I saw this amazing fucking quote by Marlon Brando. Oh, my God, I think... there's some real disturbing reports about that guy really bad stuff and also I love his heart for Native Americans Mm -hmm. see what I mean it's like people are fucked up wrong and beautiful and so you know when it comes to your dad I think that I I, I mean everybody's a little different I, I, I think you're wasting your time to try to change them Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily hear you saying that, but but what I did hear a little bit in there is like, oh, I got worried at first, and I started checking the news and this and that. I go, yeah, definitely don't fall into fear traps, mm-hmm. you know, especially if like you know it sounds like you're a Christian and in the you know that 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 that, that f- f- evangelical faith and um, you know, well, if you're in a religion. And I think most religions probably relate to it on some level of like you have certain sections of whatever religion you're in that can fall into fear or Mm -hmm. fall into hope. Well, whatever religion or denomination you're in, pick the hope camp. Mm -hmm. Don't pick the fear camp. Uh, And I love what I love Sean's advice of of, you know, hey, taking whatever supplies and giving away. Yeah, I mean, that's my biggest thing is is is. Man, I just really want to waste your time with um, with trying to change him or trying to argue with him or trying to whatever. I, I, I mean, at least I knew for my grandma. It was like, oh, I, it's a waste of time. And we did at times. All of us cousins who loved grandma fight with her about so much stuff. Um, we never made a dent. And she <laughs> never made a <laughs> dent in trying to change her views on anything. And so it's, it's at, at, at some point... But, I, but I've also learned this over the years. If you really want to make a difference in somebody's life, there's really only two ways if you want to change somebody. You can shame them or you can inspire them. Mm-hmm. Shame doesn't work. And if it works, it won't last. Um, there's a lot of people that, that, that come into some type of faith experience that was based on like fear or shame and um, they nev- never experience the light or the love, and it doesn't last, usually. You know, unless they're just continue to be afraid until they die. And I know that, that some people, that is their story. But, yeah, I think that just don't worry about it in a way. Definitely don't fall into those fear traps. And, um, yeah, did we miss anything in her question, Sean? No, no, I don't think so. I mean, that was... 
I think it was just how to how to work around it. And yeah, I mean, I would just encourage you to, you know, be you, and yeah, don't let him be you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and I would also say that, like, um, I mean, that that's the weird thing with religion, or especially different denominations. I mean, again, I'm not an expert with other religions. I'm not an expert with Christianity either, except I was raised in it. And, um, but you don't have to let the thing with certain denominations is they paint a worldview. Well, you don't have to let your world be painted by their worldview. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You can paint your own. Hey, David and Sean. Um, my name is Corey, and um, really uh, appreciate your podcast and um, just holding space for um, people out there that just uh, live and experience pain and brokenness and ambiguity in this world and, and are making their way the best they can through it. Um, and it just brought to mind um, some of the um, my own uh, experiences and journey this year uh, with a lot of transitions. Um, and um, one thing that was kind of rolling around in my brain and that I was thinking about um, is um, just that I went through a divorce at the start of this year. And uh, that's been, has just left a, a kind of deep, um, imprint on my life and and it's been a lot to, to navigate and it's been scary um but um i have been connected with friends and family for support and and going to therapy too and all these things have been good and um but there's still you know just a lot of uh heartache and difficult things to process um but yeah what, my question was um how how do we space uh and allow our heart to um, just be in touch with our grief and our and whatever other feelings are in in the bag with that. Um, and because I know that I've just kind of pushed to the side, kind of jumping into dating again. And not that I'm being hard on myself with that, but it's just um, and there's been positive things with that too. But um, I know that I have been trying to avoid some of the feelings and cover, cover them up and just kind of shield myself away from them. Um, so I do have waves of grief that, um, hit me and, um, and I have warm memories too, that kind of can arrive out of nowhere too. Um, but yeah, I was just wondering how to, how would you say is a good way, um, for people to, to approach their grief and move through it. So, um, cheers to you both. And wish you both well. Thanks for taking my call. Bye. Yeah, I, I I think Sean would probably um, have some great input here. But the, the, the one thing I will say is uh, I remember um, I uh, uh, in college or right after college I uh, I knocked up my girlfriend and I knocked her up real good and uh, we we ended up going with an open adoption and we gave away our kid we entrusted our 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 daughter to a family that we picked and um hardest to this day hardest thing i've ever been through in my life and it's a pain that never goes away my kid's an adult now and uh she is uh she is now actually getting married this weekend and uh, i'm going to her wedding and was invited to her wedding and it's beautiful but it's uh I have a, I've, I, I still have a picture of how hard the grief was that hit me. Um, I remember two days after she was born, we had an entrustment ceremony and we, um, we gave away our daughter. And I remember leaving the hospital and being in my car in this parking garage in this hospital in Ohio. And I, I was looking in my rearview mirror and I saw the adopted parents carrying my daughter away. And to this day, I've never cried harder in my life. And I've cried hard mm. at times. I mean, it was like a fucking 
that's that's probably one of the times in my life no the the biggest time in my life where it was like the grief was so fucking I mean I've had so many people die in my life and that moment still takes the cake of um of watching another family leave with my daughter and um and so I remember um I don't know if it was like a counselor told me this or it was just like I uh the, the what came to my mind and, and first of all thank you for your call Corey um I believe it's Corey I want to double check mm -hmm. yes Corey uh I want to thank you for your call. I think what came to my mind is is that uh, like I just I think through visuals, right? And so, um, a visual that I had that got me through is is this is an old movie. Um, check it out sometime, just because it gives you a great picture. But this movie called Twister. Uh, did you see that, Sean, back in the day? <laughs> of course, of course, right? Uh, anybody our age probably saw it. It was a big blockbuster, a big hit. Um, anyway, uh, so in that, the, the kind of the climax of the film, uh, Bill Paxton and Helen Hunt uh, go in this barn, and to survive the tornado, they uh, find this, um, they find this, like, you know, strong belt, I guess. And they tie it around themselves, but they tie it to this like metal pole that's uh, buried deep into the ground. And so when the tornado comes, tears away the barn, and they're 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 holding on. Um, they're, or the, the they they've wrapped themselves around this metal pole, and they're kind of like flying through the air as this tornado is kind of um, ripping everything else and around them apart. To me, that's grief, right? Grief is this especially right in the beginning, right? It feels like that, you know, we know the five stages of grief, but when you f fucking go through something and you're right in the beginning of it, like, you know, we have friend, a, a close friend of ours that's just gone through a divorce. And um, right when you're going through it, it's like, or when I saw a, a, a family walking out of the hospital with, with my daughter, like, it's just a fucking tornado ripping through your life and your heart and your emotions and your head. You don't know what to think, feel. I mean, it, 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 it feels like you just jumped out of a plane. It's the, it's the scariest, hardest, most confusing time in your life, and we've all had those times. And, and so the biggest lesson, the, the reason I appreciated that metaphor is, and this is my encouragement to you, is... You have to find something to tie yourself to. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're going to be tossed in that tornado and uh, lost in the chaos of your grief. Um, find something to tie, tie yourself to. Something that, that is constant. Something that is truth. Something that brings you life. Something that, that um, speaks into you. Um, that can comfort you in a way that brings you life and not in a way that robs you of it. And the second picture I had is the second visual that got me through grief was that was the beginning picture of my grief, right? Initially. And then I, then I got to a place where you kind of get used to this new reality. And then all of a sudden, um, here comes the tornado again. And that also really helped me. Another visual that really helped me with grief was just picturing the waves. That, because I'm an emotional person, if you know anything about the Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram 4. And so we're very emotional people. We kind of perceive the world through emotions. And so what kind of helped me is to, to realize that I am not my emotions. I feel very deeply. Matter of fact, I think through my feelings. I, I, op, I, I perceive reality through my emotions, and so, so some of that is, is is a gift, and some of that's a curse. And so, but but in the the visual of waves kind of coming in and hitting me, and then leaving, was a valuable 
visualization for me because the next time I feel something, it helps me to know that this isn't going to last forever. It helps me to know that, yes, this wave is pounding on me right now, but, but it's not going to be here forever. It, this, this will pass. This too shall pass, as they say. Um, I'm sure I, I don't want to hog the stage here. I'll let, let Sean kind of speak into it because he knows grief well too. But those two visuals, whenever I have grief pop up or I'm going through something or I have to cross something in life that, you know, that that's the thing with like a divorce is that, you know, um, like people that I know that have gone through divorce, like sometimes like divorce is a really healthy thing for all the parties involved, but it's like pulling this grenade, they pulling the pin on a grenade and going, Hey, we all know everybody involved in this situation knows that this is a healthy thing, but this is still setting off our grenade. This is still going to explode our lives. And so you need to, to, um, especially for your mental health and your heart, your soul, you need to uh, prepare yourself for that, I would say. And so if I could pass along anything to you, it would be those, those two visuals have, have helped me and continue to help me. Yeah, I would say, Corey, um, first off, again, thanks for um, entrusting us with um, this time of your life. Um, I'm sure it's not easy to reach out and make a phone call to a, a number and um, put your heart on the line like that. I appreciate that. Um, I'm sure David does too. Um, no, no, <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding, Corey. Just kidding. Um, I think, I think ultimately, um, when it comes to grief, um, it's just something our brains are so hard to, it's so hard for our brains to wrap it around because grief means that, um, the dream that we once had is never going to come to fruition and be it the dream of that happy marriage. Um, you know, that childhood, um, that you're going to family, you're going to have together or, um, any kind of grief that you have losing a parent, losing a, losing a sibling, losing a child. Um, and I think as our society, we just suck so bad when it comes to grief because we just don't like it. You know, we, um, you know, we put band-aids on anything from a, a tiny little scrape to, um, a deep wound. And it's just like, Oh, just go get it fixed. Oh, you're not feeling good. Get it fixed. You know, I think that's, that's our society's way of just dealing with grief because I just don't think we know how to do it well. Um, because I think people are afraid of it and because they, they think no one else is grieving as much as they are. But I think that's completely wrong. I think we're all grieving at pretty high levels. You know, I think, um, you know, for, for me personally, um, a big grief in my life that I've come to, to learn and live with is like our oldest son has cystic fibrosis. So he was diagnosed at three weeks old. And so the grief that I thought I was going to have of this difficult childhood for him, this family that was not going to be the dream of ours. Um, and so I, I grieved in that moment, but now like, as I look back, hindsight is like 2020 of like, Oh my gosh, like it got us to where we are now. And I think that's a big piece of realizing that, you know, as you keep moving forward, as those waves recede, and come again and then recede back like making your way through the tide and making your way through life and um and talking about it i think that's a big piece um you know i know in a lot of other calls we um say surround yourself with people you know to to hold you and to be there with you i mean that's a theme of our lives that we've had together me and dave and with a bunch of our friends um, and even outside of our mutual friend group, um, you know, that's the biggest thing you have to, to have is just that support system. And yeah, I remember when I was in, um, a chaplaincy program 
to getting my master's and I read the book called all of our losses and all of our griefs. And, um, and it's the biggest thing it talks about in that book. If my mind remembers it correctly. Um, it just says that, you know, we, we don't grieve the small things well. And so we won't grieve the big things well either. Um, and loss is loss and trauma is trauma. And, you know, working with a counselor who can get you through those day to days, fantastic. Calling into a podcast, fantastic. Um, listening to people around you, pivotal and getting through um, your life. And I encourage you um, with, you know, with what's to come, like be open and honest with those future relationships um, as they do come, um, come to you. And if they don't come to you, if they do come to you, um, whatever works out, but just know that, um, you know, you're not alone in your grief and that there's other people out there that are in the same exact boat and will climb in your boat with you and uh, just be with you. And yeah, good luck. And thanks for calling. Uh, yeah. And you know, this is coming to my mind right now, but <clears throat> you know, I know your, your question doesn't have anything to do with love. Yet I would say um, that love is such a necessary, uh, so necessary in times of grief. Mm-hmm. And I have, I've always been drawn to outcasts, if you will. Uh, and I think for some reason, a lot of outcasts have always been drawn to me. And so I have a lot of people in my life and I have throughout the years that of people who just, I think, struggle the way that I struggle, which is to feel unworthy and unlovable. And so a lot of times when I'm encouraging them that they are loved and and to let people love them, they go, well, just nobody loves me. Um, And I know that's not your struggle or, 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 or maybe it is or maybe it isn't, but that's not something you're bringing up. But the reason I'm bringing it up is I want to encourage you in a way that in the way I encourage um, these other folks, and that is, that is the the, the love, this kind of universal divine compassion that you know, and it doesn't matter whether you're religious or not religious. We can all acknowledge that it's there because it's the compass that that points north in all of us that 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 says, um, l- love is the only thing that really makes sense in life. And I remember I was probably just grieving my daughter again. And I remember this was like 18, 17, 18 years ago. And and I remember I was talking to a friend about it like, oh, I don't even think I was talking about my daughter, but I, I was just like, hey, I'm so depressed. I do not. I was grieving, but I wasn't saying that. I wasn't using that vernacular. But I remember I was talking to not even a great friend, but like an acquaintance. And, um, but he gave me some really good advice in that moment is he said, whenever you're really kind of stuck, um, go serve. He goes, he goes like, so for example, like, let's say you go to a homeless shelter and, uh, they ask you to clean the toilets and he goes, get down on your hands and knees with like a toothbrush and just one inch of the bottom of that toilet do nothing else about just thinking about cleaning that well as a, as an act of service. There is something to that. There's something to getting lo- lost in grief, getting so lost in your pain that like it's just good to give yourself breaks. It's good to give yourself breaks in terms of like just like like if you run a marathon you need to take breaks and take a drink of water and then keep on going, right? Um, well, no one tells you to take breaks when you're grieving. No one tells you how to take a break when you're grieving. For me, finding ways to love and serve people is a great way to take a break from grieving. And you go, oh, man, it was just great to not think about me for five minutes. Oh, man. How wonderful what like and it could be anywhere. I mean that, that's one of the things I love about my neighborhood. It's so diverse and 
and there's so many hurting people around me that like I don't need to go far to let and I'm talking it doesn't have to be even financial or take up too much of your time like um like one of my favorite people in my neighborhood is the 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 cash register at 711 down the road and he's always having a hard time <laughs> and we've really bonded over the years and you know I go in there and and um and uh, all I have to do is go, and I know it too. All I have to do is go, how are you doing? And I'm going to be there 10 minutes. And he's going to be telling me his struggles. And, you know, here's the thing about the, that moment is, is it is a great, even if I'm not feeling like it, it is a great way to love that person in that moment. To go, I know if I ask my 711 buddy, how are you? I'm going to be here for 10 minutes. And even though it might be a pain in the ass because I'm in a hurry, this is a great way to love this person. And um, if it's, especially if it's in times of like, I'm struggling with depression or grief, I feel swallowed up by grief, man, just find a way to love somebody. Hmm. Because when you even if it's a stranger or whoever an acquaintance whatever if you find a small way this is what I tell my friends that, that, that feel like they don't have anybody in their life that loves them if you find a if you find a small way to find somebody to love even a stranger you will experience love right in that moment I mean it'd be great to find your prince charming or your princess or whatever but not everybody is lucky in those ways mm -hmm. and i know a lot of people that thought they found it and they found out that it's um an ogre an ogre or whatever <laughs> you know at least on the inside mm -hmm. <laughs> we all are a little bit on the inside but um yeah so i don't know hopefully that's helpful man um uh, but i feel you grief is grief's uh tough Grief's really tough. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, uh, our last call for this episode. Hey, this is Lisa. And first off, I wanted to thank you guys. Uh, I'm enjoying the podcast so far. I appreciate you doing the hard work with authenticity when you're sharing with folks. Um, I think this is a question and it's more philosophical in nature. Just wondering how both of you maintain a sense of perspective and hope. Um, and also in light of staying aware of kind of world politics, what's happening in America, how that intersects with big picture stuff with faith, with economics, with world, you know, climate change. Yeah, so this is a really small question. But asking how you maintain uh, <clears throat> perspective and hope and still stay self aware and aware of the world without wanting to jump off the cliff. Uh, appreciate your answer this in whatever way works. Thanks so much. Well, thank you, Lisa, for the easiest question and call we've ever had. <laughs> or ever will have. Right. I had to take a big drink of my pineapple water for that one. Um, <clears throat> perspective. I remember I had a youth volunteer growing up in the church that I did. He always, in, I don't know if his encouragement, I <clears throat> am taking it now as encouragement, is that in one, keeping perspective in 100 years, all new people. So like, you know, no matter what I do, no matter what Dave does, no matter what any one of us does, in 100 years, all new people. So with that, that helps me keep that perspective. Another perspective that um, has really, like, I want to, it sounds silly that it blew my mind, but it blew my mind like, like a few weeks ago. Um, no, Brennan has a podcast. He's hilarious, like comedian. Um, it's called blocks. 
um, you should listen to it. But I forget which uh, who he's talking to, but he's just talking about spinning the wheel of life. And um, he said, you know, if, if anyone gave you the opportunity and said, hey, you could spill, spin the wheel, of, the wheel of life and the odds of your life being better is like there's no is no chance and for me like that was just such an eye-opening thought of like you know there's eight billion people on this planet and for me to take a, a spin of this wheel to land on something random like my life cannot be better than what it is right now you know in that comparison and he and he spoke how we so many times we we compare up uh, to those around us but we don't compare down Mm-hmm. And and I think for me, like just a few weeks ago, like that just clicked something in my brain that I've been wondering about for probably years um, with that. And so I think when it comes to that piece of like keeping that perspective of knowing that, yes, I mean, I know that I won't be here in 100 years and my sons won't be here in 100 years. But if I can um, have that rationale in my mind of I can teach them just to, how to take care of people how to care for those that they love, um, how to care for the community around them. And then maybe, you know, I will be here in a hundred years in that essence of, of my spirit. But, um, but I think too, like it's in, in the, in the world of just so many like politics, global warming, just infrastructure change. And especially the world that we've lived in the last couple of years for me, like just having that realization that it's like it's all going to pass away and no matter what I do that's just the reality but um, how can I just love my wife better how can I love my sons better how can I have those experiences with them that will hopefully last longer than my lifetime and for me that's that's it just realizing that my life is pretty amazing as is. And I think if we more people realize like how awesome it is, just the life that we get to live, um, we would realize just how good we have it and go from there and just be happy. I mean, I don't think you're going to get a better answer than that. That's good. I love that. Uh, I probably got that from you. Um, Every hundred years, new people. I mean, it kind of says it all. I mean, it's like, it's, it's, it, it, if you pull out bird's eye view to everything going on right now, you're like, oh, geez. But if you pull out bird's eye view a million years from now, mm-hmm. or 300 years from now, or 5,000 years in the past, right, you will always have ups and downs. You'll have seasons of peace, seasons of strife, seasons of bounty, seasons of famine. You will always have the poor. You will always have the rich. You'll always, I mean, there's certain things that you can, you'll always have power struggles. You'll always have people that are trying to change the world and people that are trying to destroy it. I mean, it's like, so there's a level of, you know, where you can, this is where I think Lisa is going with this question, which we love you, Lisa. We know we know who mm-hmm. Lisa is. Uh, she's a dear friend of ours. And um, thank you for supporting this podcast uh, and your friendship throughout all these years. You're such a hero to us. But, yeah, yeah, I, I, think, I think, you know, if you start going down that road, um, it's really, it's really, well, what's the point? You know, um, I, here's how I relate to that. How I relate to it is I faced that question pretty early, too early. I was nine years old when my um, father figure, who was actually a second cousin, not my first cousin, second cousin. I was nine years old, he was 28, and he committed suicide. And when I was nine, as a nine-year-old, I remember going, what's the point of life? Because as a nine-year-old, I was really shy, I really had nobody, I had no friends, I was a huge dork. (laughs) 
and um, still are, still am, and uh, I, 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 that was really kind of the beginning of my struggles with depression. Real quick. That was really the beginning of my struggles with depression. But I, I remember going, well, what's the point? Why, why live? There's, there's one piece of that that actually, I think, that the suffering of that taught me something that I still value, which is I kind of, that I actually feel like was a gift, which was I have been able, for better or worse, to see through the bullshit of a lot of stuff that just doesn't matter mm-hmm. you know uh yeah i'm the same guy that fucking tore up his audition sides at a nickelodeon audition because i was losing my way a little bit but the flip side is i also have in my perspective that um the success achievement all of those things are really just uh make-believe it's society's make-believe to go, hey, here's the cool people. It's the people on the honor roll. It's the people, it's the employees of the month. It's the people that made the um, the national whatever league. It's the famous people. It's the people on the magazines. It's, I was always able to see through all that bullshit. Um, not that I also couldn't get caught up in it. But I could all like, but even when I would get caught up in it, I could also go, "This is bullshit." <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, not everybody can see that. Um, I think the thing about suffering, what suffering teaches you, is it teaches you what's really important in life. And um, you know, this is why I do love having kids. Cause I can get, I can get overwhelmed with all the world's problems, and you know when people talk about global warming, and it's like, well, the Earth will be okay one day, but we may not be. You know all those type of things, <laughs> and um, it can be overwhelming. I think, I think what what helps me is having kids, and mm-hmm. and you know my five year old doesn't give a shit about any of that. She can't. Her brain couldn't comprehended anyway what she cares about is daddy will you snuggle with me and watch america's Mm -hmm. funniest home videos and um i think what i love about kids is it helps me be in the now helps me be Mm -hmm. right in the day um there's a a guy i really like his name's richard Rohr. he talks about that because you know those couples of those families that they end up having a Down syndrome kid or a mentally a challenged kid, that's their life right there. For the rest of their life, their life, they know what their life is going to be. It's going to be hard, but it is going to be so good, right? They don't have time, meaning he meant several things by it, but one of the things that I, I think he was meaning was they don't have time for the bull, bullshit semantics of, of going, how can we fix the world's problems? They don't have fucking time. <clears throat> they got to take care of their kid, right? And there's something that is really grounding about that, that even feels holy about it, you know, that, 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 that kind of you know, connects you to a divine reality in a way uh, of... Of going, yeah, I could get a little, I could go down that fear road. It almost feels like there's a theme with this call and Jacqueline's call mm-hmm. earlier, you know, of, um, but it's just like, if you look at it from a historical perspective, there's, there's always been ups and downs mm-hmm. with the circumstances of the world, and there always will be. And so how to not get overwhelmed, I go, I go, and this is what I, I told Corey, right? Find a way to love. 
Mm-hmm. Maybe it's your kid. Maybe it's grabbing a toothbrush, going down to the homeless shelter, and just having two inches, and you and you just serve. Maybe it's talking to your, you know, making a friend at the Seven Eleven gas station you go to or whatever. Like, I think for me, I can't speak for everybody, but for me, that's how it, mm-hmm. it is to go. Is to go really all that stuff. If you want to speak philosophically about it, right, with all the big picture stuff, with you know economics and and politics and the politicization of everything, World War Three, all all the scary stuff, right? Government conspiracies, <laughs> you know. Is you go, well, I'm just a I'm just an Uber driver. Uh, I don't think I can do a goddamn thing anyway. <laughs> but what can I do? Mm-hmm. Well, um, yeah, there may be real practical ways that you can cast a vote or whatever, or sign a petition or whatever. But mostly what I can do any day is that could best impact my world and the, 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 for the next hundred people, and then the next hundred people, I had one friend say this to me. He goes, really, our whole life is just about how many ripples you leave behind. Mm-hmm. And the best way I can leave the biggest splash, if you will, I think is two things. One is to stay present as possible. Mm-hmm. Because let's say I only live till 65. Well, how many of those years was I really here? I've had so many years already that I missed because I was either stuck in the past or the future. I was either I was either um, stuck in my past regrets or failures, or I was worried about, am I going to make it in my career? What's going to happen here? And so... One way is to be really present. Mm-hmm. And I'm still in the middle of trying to figure out how the fuck you do that. It sounds really lofty. But for me, I've, I, I'm, I'm still on that journey of trying to, and I fucking hate saying the word journey, but I have a joke about it in my act about <laughs> making fun of people that say the word journey too much. And then the second thing is, um, man, I got I to gotta find a way to, ground this thing called love and and i usually find grounding it is in the really simple things of life you know versus because we think it's this if i can fix global warming Mm -hmm. and look i'm glad we have heroes of the world out there like leonardo dicaprio trying to change everything um should we all be that lucky to have the ability to do those things but i think for the most part for for the the common person uh our best way to send ripples for the next hundred people is to find the the small ways to love well that's it that's it everybody for calling and um being a part of this and we appreciate it and again david what's that phone number yeah the number is uh 424-291-2508 there we go yeah so if you want to support the podcast the easiest way to do that is subscribe leave an honest review rate review us uh tell your friends about it if you want to watch share it yeah share it if you want to watch the video Subscribe on YouTube. Hit that notification bell uh, at David Leo Movies. Uh, if you want to go above and beyond, go to Patreon.com/slash David Leo Movies and subscribe. And, and you know, you know, you can pitch in there. Help us uh, with the finances it takes to make this thing. We gotta buy Sean a backdrop. We gotta we buy a backdrop. We literally that is gonna cost dollars uh, and batteries. I got I got batteries. I need batteries. We need batteries and backdrops. There's so many things. Anyway, uh, we appreciate you all. Again, if you're out there, you're struggling, 
you could call us, you could leave a silly message or a serious message, mm -hmm. and we'll give you um, our two cents. And uh, usually Sean gives more. He gives like five cents. <laughs> I give a quarter. Oh, oh. Oh, no, a quarter. Doing, I give a quarter. Yeah. I thought, I thought it was quarter worth. Uh, I ask you for money. That's Sean true. gives you money. I give you money. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. We'll see you next time. Or, yeah, we'll see you next time. <laughs> Bye.